I feel like with technology, I, I don't know, like you hit, you click go live and then you want the, the audio, the intro just to play right away. And there's always this delay where we're just like staring at each other. Like, did it work? I don't know. Maybe. I'm always like, afraid that it's going to like cut it to like when we export the recording, it's going to like cut off the theme song. I don't know. Yeah. Have, has that happened yet or does it usually catch it all? No, it usually catches it all. Okay. So I think we're okay. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hi, Mike. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'd say after, you know, a lot of the doom and gloom talk uh, from the past few weeks, this week wasn't wasn't too shabby. I mean, Josh, you just go ahead and do it. I know it's sitting there. It's oh. waiting. You want to do the victory beverage. Go ahead. Crack it open. There you That's go. One. one. That was a really good one. Right. Just just one. Not two this week. Listen, it's a weekday, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's fair. Um, I want to talk about briefly the fact that, so on the last episode, uh, I had mentioned uh, proposing a format change. And Josh, I guess you got a lot of feedback saying, no, don't, stop, don't do that. (laughs) So who would have thought people who listened to a Hounds podcast didn't like the idea of us not talking about the Hounds? (laughs) I mean, that's that's, uh, so surprising. So, but to also clear- to be fair, also to be fair, there there isn't as many podcasts at this moment as we originally thought, because there's only really one other weekly podcast, which is Houndsy, yeah. and they already do something different than we do. Like right. they purposely built their show around making sure it wasn't like our show. So yeah. that's that's fair. Um, where I where I was sort of headed, and you'll see some of it today is. I think that my, my biggest thing is, is when I get to a point where I sort of just know what the show is going to talk about, not our show, but if I'm listening to another podcast and I know what they're going to talk about, then I'm less inclined to tune in. But if I know that there's going to be something that I haven't either heard before or I hadn't thought myself, then it becomes much more entertaining for me. And so that's where I want to make sure that we are staying a little bit fresh, a little bit different. And we don't just get in a rut of, you know, come in, talk about the game, look at the standings, talk about the next game, peace out, see you next week. And so thankfully, we we pitched some ideas and we have some stuff this week to like shake things up a bit. And I think that each week now we're going to try to add something different. We'll see how it goes. Um, we were very fortunate to have two home games this week, but um, Liz uh, uh, created what she lovingly dubbed the halftime huddle which we'll have to see if we will workshop names and, you know, we'll see how that goes. I like but, it. Um, we're basically, you know, she found a few people that had questions for us, which was not really my intention, but questions for us uh, at halftime that she recorded. And so we will play those questions and then we'll answer those questions. And they're not necessarily associated with the game. They're about the team in general, but um, a cool little segment. And so it'll be interesting to sort of see what you guys think about the questions. And then additionally, all of the listeners, what you all think about the questions. And if you feel differently, then obviously let us know. So um, so you have that to look forward to. But um, yeah, so so that's that. Um, guys, I guess anything else going on, Kev? How was your how was your weekend? It's good. Nothing, nothing crazy. Had some uh, just some wine and cheese on a Saturday night. That makes uh, makes the weekend good. But, um, but yeah, it was good. Good, Josh. Uh, good. I it was way too busy of a week with the midweek game, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, we had something on Monday. I'm drawing a blank now. We had something every day of the week essentially, and it was just crazy. Uh, so yeah, it was a fun week, but uh, was happy to have a couple days of not doing anything. If you, I, I already saw Thor, but real quick, if you had to sum up Thor in three words, what would they be? Mm. I can't do three words, but uh, I want to say like pretty much parody, a parody. That's four, but it was a parody. <laughs> a parody and, of and it, itself, like of Thor? Like, or... It was so far down the rabbit hole of like the way Taika Waititi does his movies that it like it felt like you're watching like you remember like the old movies like Naked Gun mm-hmm. or like uh, Hot Shots felt almost that level of like this is a spoof on superhero movies which is fine 
it's but you have to know that going in because if you're like thinking like oh this is gonna like really be connected to the rest of the mcu and feel like it's part of this one cohesive fabric of the you know blah 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 blah, blah. you're like no this is like kind of just a funny little haha let's laugh at superhero movies but in right. a way my my whole take on it, and I, I noticed it when we saw Doctor Strange, and, and we're not going to talk about Marvel forever, but uh, I noticed when, when we saw Doctor Strange, and now again with this, it feels very rushed to me. I'm now used to, because of these, these Disney Plus shows where you spend six hours, seven hours, eight hours with a character and like a story arc, that you get into these two hour long movies and they try to pack so much stuff in it that... You know, I, I remember looking down at my watch at one point and we were an hour and a half in and thinking like, oh, crap, they, they have to wrap this up in like the next <laughs> half hour. Like, how are they going to do that? And so, yeah, um, but it was entertaining. I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I've seen uh, Doctor Strange, but I haven't seen Thor. So. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So we have, as I mentioned, we have a ton to talk about on this show. We got two wins, guys. Um, that makes three off the bounce when, you know, we basically were six games winless. We now have nine points in the last three, which is fantastic. We have our one, one nil win over Indy uh, from Wednesday. And then we took it to Miami on Saturday, four to one. Gentlemen, let's just start right off the bat with takeaways. Josh, give me, give me a take. We're, we'll, we'll just sort of mash these two games together. <laughs> Cause I think in, in the mindset of the hounds fans, they just, it's just one big massive win. So give me give me a takeaway. So I, I, watching it live, I feel like it might have been different than watching it on TV because the first game, I did not feel like it was a boring game. I felt like it was pretty much like we were in it and it was, you know, tug and pull. And like, I felt like there was goals to be had in that game the whole time. Like, I never felt like, oh, this is... No one's really taking shots. Like it, it felt like something was going to happen in that game to me. Um, luckily, the it happened indie for game. Us. Sorry, indie game. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I like I, I saw your comments and like talking about how like this is a snooze fest or like that. I was like, is it? Because it felt pretty, pretty contested. I mean, the the it wasn't a terrible game to watch. I think it was more the coverage, which like the announcers kept talking about the game going on at PNC Park, or they were talking about like what the <laughs> what the coaches are wearing, and it just seemed like there was just very little interest in what was happening on the field. So okay, I get, well, I get really torn between committing to mute the commentators. <laughs> we're back to this again, and listening right. to it's it's really not even necessarily like. The quality, yeah, it's just at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, anyway. Sometimes they add value. Sometimes they Sometimes little, they do. That's the yeah. thing. I can't just immediately do it because I exactly. feel like I do miss some stuff. But yeah, anyway. I definitely have my favorite announcers for like the the USL. Um, but I, I thought they were, who was the announcers on? Do you remember who they were on uh, Indies? Devin, Devin Kerr was one of them. He That's was, what I thought. He was I thought like, he's usually games, yeah. pretty good. So. Oh no, he was he was good, but it was just the attention was not on <laughs> what was going on with the game. That happens so. a lot with him, to be fair. With Devin Kerr, especially, he, he has a tendency to uh, kind of go on tangents yeah. and kind of go down rabbit holes, and then he keeps on picking at that thread all game long. <laughs> That's I will I will give him a shout though because during the Miami game, the Steel Army was chanting early on um that uh sparrow i think the chant was sparrow is a jag off or something yeah. like that and and he made some sort of comment on air about well you know the steel army is making some sort of or, or they're using a phrase that i'm not sure that i can use on air and i'm not really <laughs> sure so i literally took a screenshot of the of the definition of jag off and sent it to him and like while on air and talking, he like tweeted back at us like, oh, yeah, no, I know what it meant. And like, you know, I have roots in Western PA. So I'm like kudos to you, man. Like you're you're like on for two and a half hours. And at the same time, you're sitting here tweeting back at us, you know, while you're supposed to be talking on air. So I've never tweeted things. or comment on Discord while being on air on this <laughs> live podcast. I'm always 100 percent with you in the audience. Yeah, see, Guaranteed. like I, I'm not on Discord right now, so I have no idea if you're telling the truth or not. I'm just going to assume that you are an upstanding gentleman, and therefore we have your full uh, attention at all times. So thank you, Josh. No problem. Kev, give me a takeaway. Honestly, I, I was caught up. I don't want to be too distracted and, and push us ahead to the um, 
what the halftime huddle questions. Um, but it really has my mind kind of captured at the moment. Um, but I'll still, I'll still kind of, uh, I'll, I'll wait to talk about that. No, I mean, like, I, I think, you know, I, I kind of saw this coming a bit. I mean, I did, you of, know, not, of course you did, Kevin, not to toot of my own horn. Last did. time we did a podcast, I said, you know, yeah, we'll get that. We'll get six points. Like I, I said, I took the over on five and a half points. Um, I think especially the Miami game, I, while we played well, I, I think it wasn't, it still wasn't like a four win. It, it wasn't a four one win type of victory. I can't count on our defenders scoring that much in that, in that well, you know, I think it was, it was in the, uh, in the game. Um, I remember I was like, I was walking out of the room to get like water in the kitchen or whatever. And I heard as I was leaving, Riley was sitting on the couch, like the commentator. They're like, Oh yeah. The hounds have been like so dangerous and set pieces all season. I was like, no, we haven't. <laughs> and, and it's just like, you know, so yeah, like, no. And so, I mean, it, it's good. It's, it's, you can argue, you know, that was going to happen eventually because just statistically, you know, your defenders will get X amount of goals from corners, you know, in a season. And we haven't had like any, um, you know, maybe Ordonia sparked something off when he got his goal in Tampa, um, you know, a, a few games ago. And that's all, got all the defenders going. But, I mean, all the defenders have been playing really well. They've been defending better. They've they've looked, yeah, they've looked more confident in themselves. And so, but my point was, I, I think Miami still played pretty well. And we created chances outside of the four goals that we scored. But um, I think Miami's still a good team. And I don't want to be in the mindset of we've won three we beat Miami 4-1, like we're completely back on track now. I think it's, it's probably, if anything, the pendulum has just swung a bit too far in the other direction. And it's just like, okay, we're good. Like, but we're not, we're not three straight wins beating Miami 4-1 good just yet. I think we, I mean, we have it in us, but I, I, I just, I don't like that. I don't want to assume that for the next game. Um, we're, you know, we're still also the team that went six, six winless too. So, so to sort of reframe it, when we did the last show, the question that I had for you guys was we had just beat um, New York Red Bulls. I believe it was three nothing. And the question was, is this actually us playing better? Or is it the fact that New York Red Bulls are just not that good? And so I still think can, it was the Red Bulls are crap. Well, I, I don't, it, yeah, but it, but but it, after that win, you start thinking like, OK, we're back on. Everything is great. Against Miami, particularly, I caught myself thinking, regardless of the scoreline, we look better. But, Kev, your point could be that maybe that is the pendulum sp swinging the other way, where it is Miami. Is this a case of we're really that much better, or is it the case that Miami just didn't show up? Or Miami isn't as good as we thought they were, and therefore we were able to do things that against better teams we just wouldn't be able to pull off? I mean, I personally thought Miami played okay. Um, I, yeah, and I still think they're a good team. You know, I think they'll make the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think this is an issue. This isn't a Red Bulls issue. Uh, or yeah. issue's the wrong word. I, it, I don't think this is a Red Bulls scenario. Um, but, wait, I was going to say something else. I mean, I, I, as far as like chances go, it, it, it could have been in that six-game stretch, it could have been a confidence thing where we were it felt like we were still creating chances but we just weren't taking them we're still not entirely there yet with uh with um with like the miami game i mean cicerone scores two against red bulls he looks kind of quote unquote back but i don't know i mean i think the other thing that helps is defensively a lot of things kind of switched up too we get a shutout against red bulls we get a shutout against indy and we we were you know what a minute away from getting a shout out against Miami, um, which would have been huge. But uh, I think for, if anything, just for psychologically. Um, yeah, I've deviated from the original <laughs> question. So I'm going to look to you guys to pull me back on track. I, I would say that Miami looked like a better team than Indy did against us. Like yeah. 
even though we steamrolled Miami compared to Indy, I still thought Indy looked worse. Um, the stats don't really board out too much. It's like they have like the same amount of shots on target almost. Like it's it's very close, um, but it felt more even keeled um, talent wise against Miami. But we were getting the shots and they weren't like the, we were finishing the shots and they weren't because they had some good opportunities on goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, felt, it just happens that we we scored more. It felt like the indie game was a bit tighter and just like it was. I don't know. I, I don't know what. I feel like when I listen to listen and watch soccer, everyone makes boxing analogies. So now I just like make boxing analogies. I feel like in the indie game, it was like two boxers kind of feeling each other out and not really throwing heavy punches. In the Miami game, it felt like both teams were willing to swing, and it just happened that you know. Uh, once once one or two goals go in, then it kind of changes the you know the face of the game and how you end up throwing punches for the rest of the game and you know it just went in our favor after that. Yeah, tilted. I mean, it just got to the point where we we kind of just had the momentum on our side uh, in Miami. I mean, when what I think it was uh, Shane Wheat when he's doing like back heels off of set plays to try <laughs> so to like, so beautiful to like, to like set up other players. Um, you know, yeah, it's, they're feeling good to say the least. I mean, to your point, and again, I, I don't know how much of this is the competition that we're playing against, because again, there are those teams at the top of the table that we always tend to struggle against, but we were I, not only were we basically one minute away from three shutouts, but when you actually look at the number of shots on target in these past three games, I think there were two each per game. It was something ridiculously low like that. So who knows, again, if it's the competition that we're playing against or if after that six-game stretch there was a mindset shift of we're just going to keep the ball out of the back of our net. But this is not a Lily team of old where you know you're, you're playing for a one nothing win and you're just sitting back and bunkering we're defending by attacking uh in all of these games which makes me think that some of it is just the opposition and how we set up against them so it will be interesting to sort of see we head to new mexico this weekend and statistically we're pretty much the same team they've played a few less games than us they're only three points back on us overall but for the most part, a lot of the stats, we'll get to this later. I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but it will be interesting to see how Lily sets up and tries to handle New Mexico. Um, I yeah. think I think the Tampa game was a, a really big turning point, not just, well, I mean, in, in every respect. I mean, it felt like after that, Bob started making what to me sounded more significant comments around the state of the team and the state of like what needed to be changed. Um, obviously it, it's, I think what, I think the Tampa was, was, was the Red Bulls right after Tampa? I think so. Yeah. Um, so it was the end of the six games. Um, and we just, we got, we got dominated at home. And so I think, th- I think a lot changed off the back of that. It's hard to tell, what exactly changed immediately in the Red Bulls game. But I think, I think in a lot of ways, I mean, this is hindsight 2020 and me kind of imposing my own narrative on the situation, but I feel like a lot of what we saw in Indy in Miami was the result and reaction of what happened against Tampa at home. And that was um, more, more of a focus. I mean, I, I went back and I looked at the highlights of the, of the Tampa game before we started recording and we just, I mean, the amount of times we got caught upfield and how they just exploited us, especially like along our, along like the channels, along our, our wings, where our wingbacks just kind of got upfield. And you have our three defend or three central defenders that are just kind of not in a great position. And we just kept, we just kept getting caught, I mean, and caught on the ball, the defenders dwelling too long on the ball. And so it just defensively, I think we changed a lot um, in response to that game. And, offensively i don't know it's kind of hard to tell it it seems like we're getting more people in the box um particularly in the miami game i was regularly counting like three players in the box um so yeah i don't i I think that the tampa game will hopefully you know once the season ends and we're you know top of the east or whatever i i think tampa will probably hopefully be the 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 turning point uh it, it is curious and it will be interesting to sort of see how this all shakes out because Initially, I started to think, well, maybe it was a just the mentality shift and Lily got in everybody's heads. 
But even when you look at the Miami game, I was going to make a comment about Sims. I thought Sims had a great game against Miami and you talking about sort of the wingbacks. I'm like, oh yeah, Sims was like a wingback. When you actually look at the average position on the field and where Jesse Williams sort of started behind him, he was much more forward like an attacking midfielder than he was playing as a wingback. He resided much further up the field. He's putting a lot more pressure higher up the field. And so that does make me wonder how much of this is personnel, not there's no doubt that during that six game stretch guys had mentally we were off there was something that was off it had to be fixed like I get that but in the case of like Miami you're having Sims play in a position that we really haven't seen him play in before and was that intentional from Lily to try to exploit something that he had seen in Miami which then makes me wonder how much of this it gets back to the tactical side of things and getting the tactical pieces just right we're, we're, we're in a position where in the past we had a starting 11 and you could write down every single week what that starting 11 would be and you would know. And we're not there. I mean, we, we Ibarra looked fantastic against Indy midweek and doesn't get in in the game against Miami. Sims doesn't, wasn't even on the bench against Indy, gets in against and, and starts against Miami and makes a difference, almost scores. And so it does think, make I me think wonder that, how much I, of that is, 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 yeah, tactics. That might have been different just because of schedule congestion yeah. maybe i don't know i mean because what it was red bulls on the weekend indy in the midweek and then we yep. had thing again so i think how well i mean it's, it's we'd have to go back and look i i would be interested even when we have a week to week how many lineups are the same week to week yeah yeah i mean there's usually small tweaks here and there but yeah yeah Overall, the congestion, I think, was the reason why we, we even got to see Sims. Uh, I do want to make sure we, we do talk a little bit about that, though. Uh, the goal. Did Cicerone poach <laughs> Sims' goal? Was that a Sims' goal? I don't think it was. I, don't I think, think it was, it was too slow, and it could have gotten easily cleared if it wasn't for Cicerone. Yeah. And I, I felt bad because uh, on Twitter, there was a conversation back and forth between the two of them where, you know, Cicerone basically said, like, thanks, buddy. And Sims was like, yeah, OK, sure, you're welcome. But Sims has scored for us before. This is not like that would have been his first goal. I think that was his first assist. Um, that was the tweet, actually. His tweet was yeah. first professional assist. Appreciate the helping hand, Russell Cicerone. <laughs> Cicerone, my guy, happy to help. <laughs> no, I so, think I think he knows what he's doing. There, yeah. there, there was no chance that was going in. No, I, that was definitely. I, I feel like it was not a poaching goal. I think yeah. it was definitely a goal, but it was an awesome. You know, just the whole thing yeah. was great, and yeah. Uh, what, what what was a UK fan podcast always? Oi, oi, Toby boy. Yeah, that was <laughs> such a good. Like, yeah. It was cool to see him. I'm always happy to see Sims on the field. Yeah, I like him. that. Yeah. That's one of those ones where as a player, that's sort of a hope and prayer. You're like, no one else is around. This is my only shot. So I'm going to take it. And the prayer came through in the form of Cicerone. So, yeah, totally agree. No, um, I'd, I'd like to see Sims keep getting a, getting, getting a shot, especially I mean, I know Dixon was kind of in and out um, for for personal reasons, and rightfully so. And um, now that Dixon's regularly back in the lineup, and he locks down either one of the wingback positions, whether or not he wants to play left or right, depending on what Bob wants to do. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to see Sims keep getting a run in the lineup. This team is so perplexing because during that six game stretch, we're sitting here debating about oh, you know, we talk about all of this depth and where is this depth? Do we actually have this depth? Because nothing is working on the field. And now you look at players like Sims and Dos Santos and uh, Ibarra and these depth players that are making an impact. And, you know, it could be because of congestion or whatever it may be, but there are no slouches. So No, but I I will say, I don't know. I, I think Dos Santos, I think, had a really strong start to the season. I think he struggled a little bit, as everyone did in the six games, but I, in, in particular, I think he was kind of caught in a couple scenarios, um, against Tampa, not, not being one of the ones on the ball who got caught, but just kind of caught at field and Ibarra. I don't know. I'm still kind of 
I don't know what Ibarra gives. I, I, I disagree with some of the Ibarra I, chat. But. When, when you look back to, and I'm not comparing him directly to Danny Griffin, but let's keep in mind that this is Ibarra's first professional gig out of college. So yeah. when you look at the time, what, Griffin's in his third year with us? Rovi's in his fourth? So it takes no, it's a really time. Good, I, I do want to, like, I, I've, I've had this thought outside of the podcast and I need to do better at, like, channeling. Like, I want to make, like, all of them are, like, really good. <laughs> all of them are professionals. All of them do, you know, and so I don't want to, but I, yeah. And so I just, disclaimer, I'll try to drop that in every once in a while. I feel like sometimes I'm pretty harsh on some of the players, but they're all very, very, very good. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there were, you know, lots of goals we can discuss basically over this past three game stretch. So over the past week, we're at a plus seven goal differential. We scored eight goals and only let in one. Like we said, that one was very late. Cicerone had three goals. Peters had two. Wheat, Dequa, Dixon all had one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a ton that we could talk about as it relates to all these games. Guys, any other any other takeaways and specifics that you want to get into before we get into some of these questions and move on to sort of other things? Feels good. Feels good to win uh, yeah. both these. I, I was very apprehensive about the Miami game. I, I was on the podcast saying, like, you know, maybe we should prepare ourselves for only four points and be okay with yeah. that. And, like, it, you know, it, it would be respectable if we got four points. But getting getting both wins it's like all right let's go let's do it i'm, I'm still I, I, nervous about the next game just because yeah. it's uh, west coast and that's never our forte but in uh, a way yeah yeah no i feel like i took the under last week at five and a half because we said we could get all six but after losing six in a row you just need points or not losing but you know struggling six in a row you just need points and so i would have been happy with four but yeah no i'm i'm ecstatic with with nine in the past week that's great so that that sort of makes up a little bit for for where we were at um i, th- I think i don't know anytime you see a back heel in the game that that's an indication that <laughs> it's, it's, well i want to say spirits are high like spirit and, and i think that's that's really important i think successful I think, back heel like successful yeah. back heel <laughs> <laughs> i think the back heel wasn't the back heel ordonez so I think Ordonez one had, of the center backs. Yeah. yeah, Ordonez had the back heel. Peters had two goals, and Wheat had a goal in that game. So yeah. it was like the the defense was firing in all cylinders. When Ordonez's goal in Tampa was still one of the best finishes finishes all season. <laughs> <laughs> like it left footed across the box up and it was amazing. So yeah. no, I, I think um, I think confidence in in kind of right mental state was probably the biggest challenge for this team. Yeah based off of what they did earlier in the season, based off of all the chances we still created in that six game stretch, I think it was a confidence thing where, well, and then it, like all the, the two goals that we let up in the Tampa game where our defenders just dwelled on it too long. and it got take off on it. Like that's like the players know and, and need to know that they're better than that. And so to, to have confidence kind of right back on the right track. I'm now I'm not, I'm not saying we're back to what we were at the beginning of the season, but um, yeah, it's, it's a good, I think we're away from that mental state in the six game stretch now. I think the other big thing that helped was that we were home for these two games. Yeah. So our record at home is seven zero and one away. We are three six and two. So now the trick is, can we get the mentality right as we hit the road and go to? We have two away games, and then we come back to Pittsburgh uh, two weeks from now or three weeks from now. So before we get into our questions, uh, Steve did catch up with Shane Wheat immediately after the game. Let's hear what uh, hear what they had to say. Mongols. This is Steve. I'm here with Shane Wheat. Shane, you capped off the scoring, uh, fourth goal of the night tonight. Tell me what you were thinking uh, when you saw that ball at your foot. Um, just attack, I guess. I don't know. I had a feeling running up there at, uh, at the beginning of the restart that I was going to be able to put it in. So I told myself I'm getting up there, just being aggressive, and when I did, next thing you know it's in the back of the net. Nice, nice. And uh, that's your first goal of the season. Uh, what do you got to do to uh, keep that up this year? I think, like I said, just be aggressive and keep attacking the ball, and you know it'll fall for us. We had a couple, we had two more tonight with Jelani, so uh, hopefully we can keep that going. All right, uh, second season with the Hounds. Uh, seems like there's a little bit more competition for time on the field. Uh, so what do you been, what have you been doing uh, to give yourself the best chance to be first on the team sheet? I think just being sharp every day in training and just being a leader out of the back, just trying to talk. And just, 
anything I can really do to give myself an edge and separate myself. Give right. myself a lineup. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Shane, anything else you want the fans of Mongols to know? Just love seeing you guys at the game. Um, keep supporting, bringing the energy. Uh, we really love it. It's it's electric. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. I love so there them. You go. They're awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, thing, the thing, if you're only listening to this on the audio, the thing that you missed that I have to point out is after the, the first question that Steve asked about uh, Shane getting his goal, like it, it, Shane couldn't stop smiling about it. It was just, it was great to see him just so happy about it. Yeah, it was a cool. Yeah. It, and his response was great, where it was like, what were you thinking? And he was like, attack. Like, I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to hit it hard and it's going to yeah. go in and it's going to be great. So, yeah, huge thanks to to Shane for for chatting with Steve after the game. Yeah, we'll we'll sort of see what happens here. The guys now have a full week to get themselves together before they travel to New Mexico uh, for, for a battle there. Halftime during the uh, during the Miami game. We had two people. Well, I don't know if Liz accosted them or they accosted Liz. We'll have to get the record straight from there. But uh, but yeah, this this leads to a new segment, like I said, that Liz dubbed the halftime huddle. So the first question that we got is from Jack. So we'll go ahead and play Jack's question, guys, and then we'll, we'll try to break it down. Um, do you guys think, like last Wednesday, they were doing a very high aggressive press and it seems like this game they're doing more of a deeper block. Do you think that's because they're playing against Miami or trying to rest players? What do you guys think of the high press? All right, so first things first. I love this feature too. This is really good. Anyway, Okay, so first things first. Well, first, I'm a little bit leery about this feature because I think that it implies that we know everything, and we clearly do not. So We're the ones with the microphones, Mike. We- <laughs> This is, this Obviously, is, we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Don't get these things to anyone. Yeah, and and Liz just clarified that she went after them. So thank you, Liz, for accosting people. We appreciate it. Um, so just to sort of clarify the difference between a lot of times people will say high press, high block, sort of a low block. High press and high block are essentially the same thing. Kev, speak up if you disagree. But the whole idea is if you have a high press or a high block, you're basically defending further up the field. You're trying to keep the ball further up the field as a means of both offense and defense. You're trying to force the team to turn over the ball higher up the field so that you have a better chance of scoring. If you have a low block, then basically as a team, you are sitting deeper in your own half, trying to absorb pressure and potentially hit on the counter. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Okay, cool. So that's that's sort of the difference between a high press or a high block and a low press. They mean high press, high block essentially mean the same thing. Low block is is the opposite. So with that said, the question was against Indy, we had a high aggressive press, and against Miami, we had a deep block. So did we think that was because of playing Miami or were we trying to rest players? And what do we think of the high press? So it's, I think it's actually like three questions. So, Kev, I'm going to I'm going to give you a first crack at an answer for this and then we'll sort of just discuss it collectively. So, I mean, I think I, I was trying to go back and, and think about and that's why I was trying to watch some of the highlights of the type of goals that we've led up um, leading up to the indie game and the Miami game and like how we were being exposed. Um, I don't think I mean, the fact that I think throughout this season particularly bob has not been wedded to one style of defending i think there have been times where yeah we we've been we've had a higher press there have been times where we've set back a little more um so I think he he he'll continue to do things and alter and change based off of the opponent, not necessarily what's correct for the group of players that are on the field. That being said, I think he has a natural tendency to want to press higher with this team. But I think we're not great at it. <laughs> I mean, I think one thing is I it's hard to do because it you kind of have to move in concert with each other 
you you have to make sure you know if if one player or two play if, if one player doesn't do it when everyone else does it then everything breaks down so i think there have been times this season where we've tried and whatever for whatever reason it breaks down i think tampa exposed us pretty poorly in that as well um i don't know mike do you want to read that out yeah. Oh, sorry. No. Uh, so Reed just pro- posted on YouTube. There were moments that we pressed versus Miami that were very effective. Pretty sure one or two of those led to corners and to a goal. So Kev, you you saying that pressing high is, it, we're not great at pressing high. I think one of the reasons for us to press high is because the attacking talent that we have should be able to turn or, or, or take turnovers and turn them into chances or effective chances when you have the likes of Dixon and Dequa and Ciceroni and Kelly and Griffin and Forbes you trust that when they have the ball at their feet they could make something happen quickly so you want to get the ball on their feet at a moment when the defense is maybe not necessarily prepared so that you can hopefully capitalize on a tra- on a quick transition and try to get a goal that way I mean that's the idea yeah it, it's it's i don't disagree that we may not be great at it i'm just yeah. saying that's the theory <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and and yeah so and i think the other thing is when you when you generally press higher um you're reliant you put a lot more pressure on your defenders um the they have they have to defend more space by themselves kind of thing and they're they're often caught in, in one-on-one situations where they have to Maybe they have 10 yards to the ball and their opposition player is 15, but you know one of our defenders is going to pick up the ball facing our goalkeeper with a with an opponent on their back. And that gets weird and complicated and hard, and, and you just need to be really good to get out of that situation. And so I, I, it's just harder to execute. I think our, our defenders were exposed in the six games. So sometimes it's as a comfort, you can, you can kind of revert and say, okay, well, we're not going to do it as much. And, but, so I, I don't necessarily think it was something – I, I, yeah, I, I think we'll continue to change it. And I think we'll continue to change it based off of the opposition that's in front of us. I mean, another thing, what I think Miami, I mean, Romeo was quite quiet. But it was only know, in for a little bit, though, to be fair. That's true. Um, but what, and they, Miami has Speedy, right? Speedy yeah. Williams. Um, I think when you when you have a higher press, you give faster opponents more of an opportunity against you because you, there's just more space for the opponents to run into. So it, it could have been a scenario where in you know against Miami, he wants to reduce the space for the opponents to run into and blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean, I th- my takeaway from all of this is I think Bob will continue to change, although he has a I think. Um, a tendency to want to press higher up the field. Um, but when you're in, when your defenders are not in a great moment, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to continue to do. I also feel like it's so wait, I, I think I, I might have misunderstood the original. It, it, we had a higher press against Indy, My, right? The, the, the Indy, question yeah. and, and Indy. yeah, that's where Well, hold on. That's where I actually want to go back and actually look at the stats because I, Watching the game, Kev, I was sort of the mindset like you, where there are moments where we press and there are moments when we fall back. So to make a blanket statement and say that, you know, in Indy, we had a high press. In Miami, we had a deep block. I feel like there were moments in each game that we kind of played that way, sure. which is one of those yeah. things that that it's hard to read. But yes, the, the statement was that against Indy, we played higher and Miami, we sat back. Okay. Yeah. Make sure I understood because what I was going to say is usually like this a little bit more of a, a dumbed down thing that I, I always think of is like, if we are pressing more, it's because we think we're the better team and we can like you, you press against a weaker side. So, I, I feel like that's fair to say that Indy was the weaker of the two. Um, I also think you do uh, a higher press when you think that, you know, you need to get that goal and you want to get that goal early and like kind of just set the tempo. So it's I, against Indy. I feel like he Bob felt like that was an opportunity to, you know, strike a weaker team against Miami, a little bit more respect to that team and a little bit more, you know, wanting to slow the game down and kind of like get get the guys get the feel for it that you do a, you know, deeper or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And to kind of build off of that statement, Josh, I mean, what Reed made a comment and um, that usually I don't see the comments, by the way, because usually I have this 
stream take up half my screen. And then once <laughs> I do that, the comments get cut off. But now I have it full. So I'm looking at the comments. Um, but yeah, Reed said, you know, I think Miami was not great at passing out the back, though. Those scenarios, I think, and sometimes can be kind of a chicken and egg moment where Josh, like what you were saying, okay, maybe if you want to give Miami a bit more respect and you sit a bit deeper, if you're a Miami defender and you have the ball, that's harder for you. It can be to make decisions because sure, maybe you're not, you're not getting immediate pressure, but now you have, you're looking at 11 Riverhounds players. Whereas in a higher press situation, maybe Deke was kind of just cutting off over here. And maybe, you know, Dixon's kind of cut, but you have more space maybe directly in front of you to pass into. Um, that could be something where maybe Bob thinks, you know what, these Miami defenders don't pass well. So True. no reason to pressure them. Let them sit on the ball because I know they're not going to pick us apart. So we just put defenders behind the ball and we'll, and we'll like, effect, you know, um, capitalize on, on, on that way. So yeah, there's a lot going on here that, given given tape given you know study and given all this stuff and you can start picking the stuff out um yeah but yeah i think all the all the comments are, are valid and and kind of play out in the miami game and i think to get back to sort of the question of was this against was this just we were playing miami was this a uh a, a player setup where we knew guys were tired so we were going to play a different way I very much think that this was a tactical thing. If you look at the average position of our players and our opponents' players over that two-game span, um, against Indy, we absolutely tried to congest the middle of the field in Indy's half. When you look at sort of how we were set up, we had more bodies in the center of the field trying to force them wide. Um, And we also had two forwards that were pressing up at the top. We had uh, Dane Kelly and Cicerone leading the attack. So we had more people pressing. Whereas against Miami, we really sort of had just Dequa leading the line. We sort of had three guys behind it, but we were sitting back a little bit. And I wonder if some of it against Indy in the past, we've had issues uh, with Hackshaw, uh, one of Indy's wingbacks, getting high up the field and causing damage. And the way that we were structured, we had both Dane Kelly and Alex Dixon on Hackshaw's side. And when you do that, He's not going to be running at like he knows that he has to defend both Dane Kelly and Alex Dixon. So he's not going to be bombing up the field. So tactically putting ourselves in that position where we're pressed up a little bit higher, overloading sides that may be dangerous, that keeps them at bay and keeps them from attacking us and ultimately allows us to have more success. When you look at the other team's average position in our half over the course of the entire game, Indy only had one player that had an average position in our half. Everyone else was in their own half. Miami had four. So we knew that we were going to have more guys from Miami that were running. So that might have meant that, you know, we ease back on the pressure a little bit so that we can cover those. But in the case of Indy, you know, Josh, sort of to your point, if you look at it and it's like Indy's not as good a team, then you take that shot and you push up higher as well. So, yeah. so that's question. that was a very <laughs> good question. Um, I think overall, I'm in favor of a high press. Kev, you and your Klopp Gengen press style. You're, no, no. <laughs> I, I just, it's I, it's hard, and and I think unless you do it, if you do it perfectly, it's great. If if you do it half heartedly, it ends up being a, a, a net negative for you, and it hurts you. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you for the uh, the question, Jack. We appreciate it. Next up, we have Steve. All right, so we've seen Jamali wait for, what, three games in a row now? Do you think he's going to be the starting goalkeeper moving forward, or do you think we're still going to see some more rotation between him and Silva? All right, so the never-ending keeper question <laughs> in Pittsburgh. You know, what – go ahead, Josh. I, I just want to jump in first because I got a feeling, you know, I, you guys will have smarter <laughs> things to say. But I feel like if we were going to have rotation, we would have had rotation on Wednesday's game or going into – Satter's game so that makes me think that weight is the first keeper now like obviously they can lose it I like I have no doubt that you know they're battling during uh practice all the time and it's very possible that he loses that starting position but I, right now if if weight wasn't the starting keeper I don't think we would have seen him on Saturday like why would you have him start three games within one week so here's the question if you're if you're a betting man is he starting against New Mexico this weekend? <laughs> I, I think so. I think we see him start. 
I think that's I think that's a fair shout. Kev, what's what's your read on this situation? I have some like numbers that I'll throw, but I want I want your sort of like off the top reaction I to want, this. I want the numbers. Um well I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to go back and see like how many shots he like, okay, he I, actually I, had to stop. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got that for you. So the the numbers are actually somewhat deceiving. Um because it feels like as a keeper, you're far more involved than just the shots on target. And yeah. so a lot of time there are shots, but the shots are off target and the keeper doesn't have to do anything. They're so far off target, it's it's a field goal. So it's very hard to gauge how active a keeper actually is based on the stats that the USL provides us. So looking at just the past three games, in New York, he only faced one shot on target, no goals. In Indy, one shot on target, no goals in Miami, two shots on target and one goal. So over the course of three games, there were technically four shots on target and one goal. I, th- that- I think, yes, no, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. Um, okay. I think weight is one, just one like above average performance away from keeping the, the starting position for the rest of the season. I think two things, Josh, building on your point, I think two things go in his favor. One, I think by this point in the season, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Lily tends to want to find one keeper by this point in the season. I was saying, um, I feel like Lily wants him to be the number one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think he has that in his favor where we're getting to that point where Bob wants to make a decision. I think, I mean, another you know, three wins in a row and you're the keeper that helps. (laughs) Um, And even though he hasn't stopped a lot of shots, I I mean, I, the goal that Miami gets, I actually think he makes a really good save leading up to that. And he's a little unfortunate that our defenders don't pick up the, the rebound. Um, I remember thinking right before the Miami player took the shot that weight stopped, I remember right when that Miami player took the hit, I was like, oh, this is in. Like based on and and usually when a keeper when when I have, you know, when a fan has that reaction of, oh, this is going in, and your keeper, you know, makes a big that's that's not a standard, oh, I just came out and claimed it, or oh, it was an easy shot on time. You know, that's a in other scenarios, like I said, when if if that rebound get I mean, and I don't even I don't want to blame him too much for the rebound. I mean, sometimes you know, you can blame a goalkeeper for not like pushing it to the right area of the field and just kind of giving giving the opposition an easy goal or whatever. I don't. I'm not even going to blame him for that one. That was a hard shot to stop. He stopped it, and in some in some scenarios, that's a you know a game winning save. If we were up one nil and he makes that save, and we, I mean, that's a huge moment. Um, it's just you know that yeah, we we were our, our defenders were a little flat footed and and Miami get their goal. So. I think he he actually you know he made a good save there. He was in the net for for three straight wins, and Bob wants to pick you know yeah wants to pick one keeper. I think Wade probably sticks sticks around. Although I will say I think he still needs one more like one more good save and and no blunders. Then then I think uh, then yeah he's good. I also think that there are a number of intangibles that a keeper can have that don't show up on the stat sheet, right? So the fact that there were only four shots total on target, how much of that comes back to him organizing the defense in a way that the shots aren't making it through? How much of it is distribution where, you know, he he has a bit of a, a long ball off of uh, any sort of restarts that for the most part stay in bounds, which has always been a hounds issue. So I think there are other things that you can look at beyond saves. And, and if we're comparing, you know, specifically weight to Silva, their save percentage is basically identical. Weight has a save percentage of 56.5% and Silva is 56.7. So if you're looking purely at saves, they're the same. So that makes me think that there are these other intangibles that are that are becoming the factor in Lily's eyes. When Bo- oh, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just going to and you know, who knows about Bospic? I mean, at this point, right. milk cartons need to be, you know, printed up with his face on it. I don't know what's going on with him. He did <laughs> post on Instagram today. Uh, granted, it was a discount code for some soccer gear. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so I haven't seen much activity from him on online presence or, you know, anywhere else. So. 
hopefully he's okay. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, did know. you have something? I, I, I forget what I was going to say. Now you're just thinking about milk cartons. So yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, you know, I, I was trying to figure out like, how do we even compare, you know, weights performance to others across the league. And it wasn't really a fair comparison because you get into this whole shots uh, faced uh, those other intangibles. The one comparison that I will make, I mentioned that both weight and silver are roughly 56% save percentage. Last year, Vidiello had a save percentage of 72%. Now that could be a testament to how good Vidiello was. That could be a testament to how poor our defense was that we were letting in more shots there's a number of factors that come into play there, but if we're comparing, I don't want to say apples to apples, but we're comparing hounds to hounds, you know, Vidiello definitely stood out in comparison to the other two that we have now. So I think that based on everything that we've just said here, what I'm seeing is it feels like Lily wants weight to be the guy. And so he's going to get opportunities unless he screws something up. And Kev, I agree. I think he's one massive game away of just saying, this is mine. I'm taking it. But when you're only facing two shots, it's hard to like have that game. So we'll see. I I think, you know, Kev, Josh said he thinks we'll see weight and goal this week. I tend to agree with that. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. So there you go, Steve. Thank you for the question. Um, those were our two questions for the halftime huddle this week. Appreciate all of the uh, all of the questions. If you find Liz and you want to accost her before she accosts you, by all means, go for it uh, at halftime. Although, unfortunately, we are now what two weeks? We'll have two weeks without uh, a home game, so you'll have to wait a few weeks before uh, before you can get your questions in. But if we get enough say- questions, we can also space them out. So. I was gonna say, don't put words in your mouth. Now people are going to be like going up to be like, "Hey, like record me." <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, other thing is, is apparently we're running out of stickers to give people, so we need yeah. to come up with a new design for stickers. So I need to do that so people get something for their efforts. And this is just off the cuff right now. Uh, you don't have to wait for a home game. You could also just send in a voice memo to us. Um, just maybe tweet us or something like that, and we'll figure it out. Like, uh, you know. I'll put out my email address if need be. Like we can probably take voice memos pretty easily. Oh, for sure. For sure. So yeah, if you want to uh, leave a voice memo, either send it to us on social. um, We'll figure it out. Let us know. Just tweet at us and be like, I have something and we'll figure out a way to get it from you. So yeah. Thanks again, guys, for the questions. We really appreciate it. And thanks Liz for, fielding the questions um guys let's uh let's quickly look at the standings uh, before we talk a little bit about new mexico so where we sit after 19 games at this point the hounds are currently in fourth so we have jumped over detroit even though we've played the same number of games and have have exactly the same number of points we start getting into um the tiebreakers there but uh fourth or fifth is where we're sitting right now um indy is down in ninth miami is dropped down to seventh so louisville's at the top with 39 basically three points ahead of us and they have a game in hand on us so we're gonna have to do some work to to chase them down but uh tampa memphis and louisville are are all above us at this point but not out of reach so yeah anything uh anything else of note there that you guys want to talk about as relates to the standings I want to make sure I'm right about this. Um, so it is games uh, one is a first tiebreaker, which is why we're ahead of Detroit, if I remember correctly. Then after that, I think it is uh, Golden Frenchel. I, I think that's right. Yeah, that would, would that would make sense. I would have assumed Golden Frenchel's first, and because we're tied on them with that, then it goes to win games one. You might be right. I feel like they change this every single year. And so you got to go look at the website and then they break it down from there. But, um, but yeah, I I have, I have a bad feeling that this might be how the table ends by the end of the season. Louisville, Memphis, Tampa, us, Detroit, Birmingham, Miami. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that does happen, I think we're looking at a home playoff spot. So not awful. But yeah, we need to, 
I would love to see us, uh, you know, go and play Louisville again or play Tampa again and actually do something and not the, I, that's our Achilles heel. We, we beat Memphis in the first game of the season. We're like Memphis, what do they got? And then <laughs> they go on a tear and you know, they're one of the top two teams in the East. So, I mean, I think the big thing is if you look at the goal differential, um, we're, you know, those top three, I mean, Louisville plus 26, Memphis <laughs> plus 18, Tampa plus 17. And then there's just a big drop off between us and Tampa. So Tampa's plus 17, we're plus eight. We're only three points back from Tampa, which, you know, and means in one weekend we could be tied on points with them, but they're still going to beat us on goal differential. Um, and you know, so it it's not it wouldn't take much for us to get above Tampa, but I think over the I mean, you know, 19, 18 games isn't a insignificant amount of games. Um, that level of goal differential, I think, kind of in some ways indirectly speaks to the general quality um, of of the team. So we'll see. Yeah, I concur. So. Um, <laughs> So we 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 have we have a few rumors before we head into the uh, the New Mexico game quickly. So Josh, I think you added this to the agenda because I know Kevin doesn't look at the agenda. So it's got to <laughs> nope. be either you or me. Uh, so Josh, the is it Kiza? I believe uh, it's rumors? Kiza. Is how you say it. Yeah, at least Kiza. according to uh, Pitt's website because they have a uh, profile on him since he used to play there. Uh, but yeah, there's rumors. I uh, Pittsburgh Soccer now reported it out as well, and so did. Uh, some reporter in Colorado that uh, I think it was Colorado. No, not Colorado. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, New England Res- Revolution. Yeah, one of their, their uh, reporters that uh, Kiza might be coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, it hasn't been officially announced yet. It's a. Uh, it seems pretty likely. Like there's been multiple people saying like, yeah, it looks like that's true. So Hounds haven't announced it yet, but I expected this week that they will announce it uh seems like a pretty good player uh i'm a little bit worried that since he wasn't making um any starts uh i just forgot new england or not new England. Yeah. uh yeah but yeah anyway it's you know just a rumor at this point don't know much about him haven't really looked too much into him but sounds like it could be a good signing um and then the other rumor is that we should be getting a president this week a new president um don't know who it is don't know anything about the person just know that it's happening and heard from multiple people on uh the front office that uh they think everyone will be happy with who they got so must be a known entity of some sort for what is for them to say that i know right i I heard that from two different people in the front office like oh yeah you guys would be really uh satisfied with who we got really happy with them i'm like what we, we know this person or like this person's known, like it's not just gonna be some random person who used to, you know, uh, manage a baseball team in triple A league. Like, <laughs> so we'll see. Did we but, have a president before this? I have no idea. Vic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had oh, Vic okay. on the show. You talked to him. <laughs> talk to the guy. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't know what the roles are. I thought he was something. I, I yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm joking. But yeah. So, uh, Vic left, um, two weeks ago now, I think. And, uh, we kind of been in limbo kind of all assumed that we were just going to go back to the good old days of having a uh, Tuffy as the interim president uh, for, you know, another couple of years, but they got someone and apparently it's going to be a pretty cool signing. So we'll see now it's like who signing. I guess it's not a signing a hire, pretty good hire. <laughs> Is it like president Jesse? Like... <laughs> <laughs> they said we'd be satisfied. So I don't think it's, <laughs> <laughs> Where, where, um, interesting. So, you know, chew on that, let that marinate, and uh, yeah, I'm sure send, they're, they're probably gonna announce it probably like tomorrow. Or I was like, gonna say, <laughs> I, I, was, I was, you know, send us your guesses as to like who the president could be. I, I would say the only other like known quantity that's in the front office right now would be Grubba, but I can't imagine them being like, stop doing communication, you're now the president. Well, I think so, also, though, we should not assume it's going to be someone that we know personally or like that we know well, <laughs> within the organization. They just could mean that it's a known entity in soccer. So, right. That that could also be the implication there. Well, and, you know, we'd have to wait and see. But historically, the team calls this position the president, but they are actually the 
president of Highmark Stadium and sort of all the events that happen at Highmark. So it's not a president in the sense that most people think of a president as associated with a soccer team or a football club. But if there's an opportunity for that to change and we have somebody that is helping Bob identify and sign players so that Bob has more time to do Bob stuff, that could be very interesting as well. So I don't know. I can't imagine Bob giving up the reins of, you know, controlling the soccer team. (laughs) Listen, I'll tell you what, I mean, talking to him and talking to some of the other guys, it sounds like they spend a lot of time just being accosted by agents and being forced to watch YouTube highlights of players. And so I'm sure Bob's going to want some say in that. Um, But every coach turns off the music for those highlights, right? Like there's no way they're (laughs) listening to this crappy music that every single player puts on. And you're just like, what am I listening to? Like, no way. (laughs) Yeah, Bob mutes that. I, I guarantee Bob mutes that. <laughs> Bob just has like of the night. That's right. Bob just has like death metal blasting in his office all the time. So no matter what's on, you just can't hear it. He's just in doesn't his own matter. Day. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So I guess two big things that we'll find out this week. Um, yeah, really interesting about Kiza. Uh, he's a forward, right? And he played yeah. at Pitt. So yeah. he played at Pitt. Went to New England. It sounded like New England had recalled him, I guess, from their two-team. And now there's talk that they're sending him to Pittsburgh. So we'll see what that means. You know, some people had theorized that maybe Dane Kelly wasn't getting minutes because he was hurt. Um, He played the other night. But... Oh, Memphis. That's who it was. He played... uh, He got uh, loaned to Memphis for a while uh, this season. Um, But it didn't really seem like he did much at Memphis at all. I I knew it was... uh, USL team, but I couldn't remember where. Yeah. I so maybe know, it'll just... I just don't know why. I feel like forward's one of the positions that <laughs> well, I wouldn't want another player in. Unless I could see a situation where, like, we've seen Dane Kelly has not been making the starting lineup, and that was a expected entity to be a very big impact on this team, and not so much lately uh maybe it's just injury i don't we don't know but if that's the case bob originally had that plan of having someone one more player who was going to be you know a regular starter so he's missing that or it could also be a situation where who knows how this lined up maybe it was just a situation where it's like hey he fell into his lap and it's like you you know i'm not gonna not say yes to this if it's a good player and it's the the you know price is right so it's, it's very possible it just fell into our lap and then Yeah. Why not take them? Yeah. So I guess we will have to wait and see. Um, Both of those things might happen before we head to New Mexico on Saturday for the Battle of the Black and Gold. Uh, New Mexico are currently in sixth in the West on 30 points. Like I mentioned, they only have three less points than us, but they've also played two less games than we've had. They've conceded 10 less goals than we have while facing the same number of shots. So getting back into that whole keeper conversation... 10 goals over the course of 17 games. That's like one extra, uh, you know, goal a game, something like that. So not insignificant in terms of how we move the ball, passing accuracy, dribble success rate is literally identical. But when you look at sort of players to watch on their team, their leading goal scorers are two guys that we know, Nico Brett and Justin Portillo both have five goals so far this season to put that in perspective. Russell Cicerone has eight goals and both Kelly and Dequa have six goals each. So you might look at Brett and Portillo and say, wow, they've got two guys with five goals each. And, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're doing them one better in that case. They are three, one and four at home. So they are a better team on the road. Whereas we are a better team at home. (laughs) So that, that is going to make, it's going to be a crap game is what you're saying. (laughs) It's, it's going to make it interesting. We'll just sort of put it that way, I guess. Um, and like I said, the game is Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So much apologies to all of our friends in England who stay England and Germany who stay up late and watch these games, because at that point, you might as well just go to sleep and then wake up early on Sunday morning and watch the game. Because, um, yeah. By that, by the time this game's over, it'll be past my bedtime. But uh, I'll, I'll plan on staying up and watching it, guys. Uh, based on all of that, based on everything that we already talked about here, predictions for this game, Josh. How how are you feeling? We already said that that what weights in goal. 
So we'll start there. <laughs> I mean, I, f- I feel like this is a situation where y- y- you escape with a point and you're happy. Uh, it's it's a it's a good team, you know, level with us. It's a it's a far away game. It, it's a situation where we just need to hold on and get a point. These are the type of games where you get a point and that is, you know, the job done because, you know, win at home, get a point away. So I'd be satisfied with the point. I think we can get a point out of this. Um, obviously, I want to win. I always want to win. But it's it's definitely a game where I feel like a point's going to be okay. Kev? Completely agree. Um, I'd say it's a coin toss on whether or not we get three points. Um, usually, I would say we're not winning this game, but we might have turned a little bit of a corner. Uh, but, you know, that, that'll be kind of known after this game. So... Yeah, would absolutely be happy with a point. That's what we should be striving for. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Should be noted, though, that they do. The last couple of games have not been great for them. It's been no. like a bunch of draws and a loss. So it's it's not like they're coming off of a great form like we are. They're not bouncing back, you know, six points and or nine points in three games. So, yeah, I'm I it will be interesting. We had a whole conversation about sort of a high press versus a low block. We're very familiar. You know, Lily's very familiar with Nico Brett and how he can turn nothing into something. And so this might be a scenario where we sit back a little bit more because we know that all it's going to take is one or two chances for him and he's going to hurt us. So you sit back with that in mind. Maybe you try to hit them on the counter a little bit more, see what we can do there. But I, I fully agree. I think if we come out of this with a point, I won't be happy staying up until 11 for a point, but I'll be happy that it's not a loss and we're coming back with something. So three points and I'm kind of over the moon. Also, um, a known entity is going to help a lot. Like having Nico yeah. Brett being you know, our opponent, one of the main scorers, Bob knows how to play tactics and he knows Nico Brett pretty well. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's a positive in our column. Agreed. So that is what we think. Let us know what you think. Uh, A massive thanks to everybody that helped contribute to this episode. Obviously, uh, you know, Jack and Steve who provided questions, Liz who took the questions, Steve Mattias who chatted with Shane Wheat after the game. Uh, This is very much becoming sort of a communal talking thing, which we've always said that we wanted it to become. So we really appreciate all of the input and feedback. And like we said, if you have questions for us, Feel free to send them to us either on Twitter or social media, whatever it may be. If you have an audio file, record the audio file, let us know. We'll get it from you one way or another. Um, Josh is comfortable giving out his email address. I'm not. It's not that I don't trust you. It's just that I don't trust you. So, yeah. I you can make yeah. a free email address if you're really worried about it. That's Long. true. <laughs> we'll, we'll make a free email address between this episode and the next one. But in the meantime... Let us know on social media. We all know you're there anyway. That's how you're watching this. You're you're either on YouTube or Twitter or actually that's not true. You could be listening to this. I'm full of crap. That's just for the people <laughs> who are watching it right now. I'm going to stop talking. This is your weekly reminder that Black Lives Matter. We are proudly part of the Beautiful Game Network, which is home to more than 100 volunteer writers and podcasters covering local soccer. Help us all keep doing what we're doing. Head to BGN.FM. Click that donate button to help us cover our expenses. And we appreciate your support. Otherwise, thank you, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.